I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Look what free speech has gotten you, right? And, and if free speech is going to bring a Hitler to power, are you still going to defend the rights of those people to speak? If you talk about the things that affect your daily life. The secret to being a good actor. I don't really care, actually, whether Britain remains Britain. His dad was actually murdered in front of him. Marine Le Pen has changed the Pont National. If it's like kind of like a documentary investigative reporting serialized true crime, it often gets into questions about the justice system or the media. In an uncertain world, there's always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to vote. Good question. Really good question. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. If you're listening to this podcast, and you are, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. Oh, and they make the perfect gift for Christmas. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I'm Royfield Brown, sat in a gloriously warm December, San Francisco. Uh, Today we are joined by Doug Levy, communications expert who's somewhat in transit in South California. He's been a little bit shady as exactly where he is. And we are joined by returning friend of the show, columnist, pundit, an all-round nice guy, Sonny Hundell, who I believe is in Barcelona. That's right. Say hello, gentlemen. Nice to be on the show. Wonderful to be here. In a week that has seen the Tory rebels finally rebel, we ask, 
Will the Tory rebellion give Parliament a much greater say in leaving the European Union? The eyes to the right, 309. The nose to the left, 305. <laughs> Amendment 7, tabled by Dominic Grieve, requires any Brexit deal to be approved by a separate Act of Parliament before it can be implemented. The MP told the Commons that without this critical change, Miss May's flagship European Union withdrawal bill had the potential to become a very worrying tool of, of executive power. The amendment now opens the way for MPs to send the Prime Minister back to Brussels to seek a better agreement. Sonny, yeah. should Remainers be cracking open the bubbly this week? No, I, I think it's still too early for that. It was This was definitely a victory for the Remain camp because they wanted more of a say, obviously, and it gives them a chance to uh, hold the government hostage and say that this deal is not good enough. On the other hand, you know, if the government says, okay, this is what we've got now, um, and that's the best we can get, or the alternative is a no deal whatsoever, then, you know, it means that a lot of, lab- a lot of MPs, even some Labour MPs will say, okay, well, if this is the best we're going to get, it's better than no deal. And so it, it's, it still means that, um, you know, the, the Conservative Party might uh, get their way in the end. So, I mean, I, I would still say it's a long road. It's definitely a win, but it's, it's a short win. It's a small win. Doug, Tory Remainer Nicky Morgan tweeted, Tonight Parliament took back control of the EU withdrawal process, whilst the, the Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn described the defeat as a humiliating loss for Mrs May. What was your take on things this week? Well, I think we're still seeing a UK government in some, at least from my perspective, some disarray. And it's got to be painful if you are a subject of the kingdom because we still don't know what's going to happen. And this is not good for the economy, whatever the ultimate outcome is going to be. The more uncertainty, the harder it's going to be for anything good to come out of this process. The government defeat, Sonny, um, reveals the majority in the House of Commons is definitely for a soft Brexit. Yeah. And this comes a week after Theresa May was somewhat strengthened by the breakthrough in Brussels. Yeah. Is that the reason why the Tory rebels struck now, knowing that her government was unlikely to fall? I mean, you could say that. I mean, it's certainly the case that um, most... Tory rebels still don't want the government to fall, still don't want Jeremy Corbyn to be prime minister. So they're not going to sort of give in to something that they think is going to lead to a fall of the government. And so, you know, this was, I think, a calculated move to make sure that the government would do what they wanted, but at the same time, the government wouldn't fall. And I think that, you know, um, it's still too early to think that somehow 
the the Tory rebels are going to bring down the government. I don't see that happening. They they would still much rather have their own prime minister than have a have a, uh, a Labour prime minister. Sonny, mm. are the Commons defying the will of the people regarding this referendum? Now, come on. I mean, you know, we both know that this is not the case. The the, the job of the Commons is to, you know, we have a representative democracy. We elect MPs and it's their job to represent us. That means that, you know, obviously we have to try and hold them into account. We have to try and get our views known. They have to try and reflect their constituents. But in but, but haven't cases, we, but didn't David Cameron confuse issues, confuse the issue huh. by having a referendum? Ultimately, people that want to leave the European Union, key central to their argument is this is all about the sovereignty of the UK and of the UK Parliament. So I suppose this is what they've got now. Yeah, it's true. But no one still knows what they're voting for. So just because they're voting for Brexit doesn't mean they're necessarily voting for a hard Brexit, you know, leaving the World Trade Union, uh, sorry, World Trade Organization or, or leaving the Customs Union or leaving the single market. None of these questions were discussed. And even a lot of the leavers, key leavers like Daniel Hannan were saying in the days of the referendum that no one was talking about leaving the UK uh, EU single market. So I, I think that you know it's wrong to say that this is not reflecting the will of the people. The will of the people was not a unified voice and it's the job of the Prime Minister now to try and forge some sort of a consensus and, and a big majority for what she wants and she has to take the re- remain voters into account as well. So, Sonny, uh, in your expert opinion, what next for the UK Brexit talks after May's reversal this week? I mean, I think the biggest hurdles are still to come yet. We've just gone over the first phase, which was just about um, EU citizens' rights. It was about the, the, the framework of the deal. It was about um, other issues such as the divorce bill, how much it was going to cost. And, you know, what we haven't done is gone over the main nitty-gritty, which is about the trade agreements afterwards. And that's going to be difficult because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, not just in terms of trade and different organizations, which are part of that, who is going to, uh, you know, whether European courts will have a view over um, the regulations and all the rest of it. But even stuff like security we haven't discussed yet, you know, whether the UK is going to be part of... Um, the European security organizations. We haven't talked about scientific um, sort of, um, you know, um, scientists working together across Europe. There's a whole range of issues. Uh, justice, for example, you know, how, how is, um, if someone is uh, found guilty in the UK, how does that law, uh, you know, how does that have implications on the rest of Europe? Um, and whether uh, European UK judges are bound by European law. All these sorts of issues still have to be hammered out in a very short space of time. And I think that um, there's going to be a lot more to come. There's going to be a lot more setbacks. There's probably going to be more uh, setbacks for the Remain camp, some for the Leave camp. There's a lot more to come. Doug, isn't at the heart really what Sonny says is that we are left in a situation whereby the clock is ticking. We're supposed to leave the European Union, at least the UK is supposed to leave the European Union in 2019. And very, 
the UK government not only doesn't really know its clear negotiating strategy, it still has numerous hurdles of which Sonny has outlined, whether it's um, judicial, economic, trade, etc., various other things it needs to negotiate in this time. So it's impossible that we can negotiate with anything but a strong hand, considering uh, the mountain rebellions within Parliament. Well, that's absolutely correct. And in fact, even if the entire government was unified in its approach, this would still be an enormously challenging undertaking because you're undoing a global or multinational government infrastructure that has worked rather well, at least by some measures. And the UK now has to replace the things that it's jettisoning. That's not going to happen overnight, but it kind of has to because the clock is ticking. Sonny, Hmm. previously, Prime Minister May did say that Parliament would be offered a take it or leave it proposition. Yeah. Considering all the variables, wasn't that really the right approach? She can't be fighting, continuing to fight against Parliament with a wafer-thin majority and then try and negotiate for the UK's best interests post-Brexit. I mean, yes, in one sense, if you look at it from a very narrow sort of partisan political view, then yeah, okay, I guess this is all about majorities. But if May had taken a majoritarian approach and said, you know what, I'm going to work across the aisle because this is about the future of the country, then she could have very easily stitched together a coalition that involved some Labour rebels, uh, maybe even uh, exclude some uh, Tory uh, rebels, but certainly managed to stitch together a majority that made it much easier for her to go through these negotiations in a stronger position. But she didn't. She took a very narrow approach, uh, mostly uh, listening to her right flank, you know, the, the hard Brexit is, and sort of ended up in this position because she has basically ignored the Labour Party and then is now left in the sort of, um, you know, left at the mercy of a very small bunch of Tory rebels. But if she had taken a broader approach and worked across the aisle, I think she could have gone much further, but she just didn't choose, she didn't choose to do that so that she's put herself in this position um, because of her own narrow politicking. I I think you've been been a bit harsh there, uh, Sonny. I think this is like thread in the eye of a needle from um, from outer space <laughs> uh, to be able to keep the various factions of Remain, Leave, Hard Brexit, Soft Brexit um, across two aisles of Parliament seems to me like trying to do a Rubik's cube blindfolded. Like it's an absolutely impossible thing to do. Um, I mean, not entirely. Okay, sorry. Let me just, if you, okay, so let me just quickly answer that point. I don't think it's entirely uh, untrue. Like the Labour Party, if you exploit the Labour Party seriously, if you think about what the way the Labour position, it's also in a very precarious position because the Labour Party acknowledges that it has to leave the European Union um, and therefore also does not want to carry on with freedom of movement, but hasn't really spelled out what exactly they do want because they're in a difficult position. Most people who voted for the Labour Party are in the Remain camp, but the leadership knows that it still has to leave. It can't ignore that. 
So they could have very easily gone to the Labour Party and said, well, we're looking to leave, but at the same time, you have to work with us on this because you have you have agreed to go through with what the referendum uh, wanted, you know, agreed with the will of the people. And so she could have actually held Corbyn hostage and forced a lot of Labour MPs on her side if she wanted to. You've got to remember there is a significant uh, Labour leave camp. You also have to remember there's a lot of Labour, Labour MPs who are in constituencies where uh, a lot of their constituents voted to leave. Um, so if she had done this right, she could have had them over the barrel, but she just didn't, didn't do that. Doug, is, isn't the reason why Theresa May couldn't do that is because this is narrow party politics. Yes, there is a national interest, but there's a narrow political party interest and she's trying to hold the Conservative Party together. Clearly that's the the goal and this is what happens when you have a, a sharply divided country. And it's not unlike what we're seeing in the United States where you know, unless you have people who are willing to cross over or at least work collegially with folks they don't normally agree with, it's very hard to get anything done. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening. I'm Erica Sargent. And I'm Rob Johnson. Dana Kozlov has been following the race. She joins us with the results. Dana. Rob and Erica, Doug Jones' win tonight is hugely significant for the Democratic Party, the state of Alabama, and potentially for the U.S. Senate. Jones's victory could signal party power scales are starting to tip in the U.S. Senate. It's a political blow to President Donald Trump, who publicly backed embattled Republican Roy Moore. It's also a jolt to the deeply entrenched red state, which hasn't elected a Democrat to the Senate in 25 years until tonight. Seconds after the race was officially called for Doug Jones, the crowd at his election night headquarters erupted in thunderous cheers, which lasted for minutes. Jones appeared on stage a short time ago. 
I have said throughout this campaign that I thought that December 12th was going to be a historic day. Democrat Doug Jones beat Judge Roy Moore in last Tuesday's Alabama special election to fill the Senate seat left vacant by Attorney General Jeff Sessions. It's the first time Alabamians have elected a Democrat to the Senate for 25 years. Allegations that Moore had sexually molested and assaulted girls as young as 14 surfaced after the GOP primary and dogged his campaign, where he was expected to cruise to victory. With this wafer-thin victory, is there a risk in reading too much into these results in Alabama, Doug, given its unique circumstances? Well, there there is a lot to read into this victory, probably not as much as some of the Democrats would like. It is clearly a repudiation of the president and his policies. Uh, president Trump went all in to support Judge Moore in the couple of days before the election, which... Um, may have helped, but uh, it certainly attached the Republican Party and President Trump to this uh, challenged candidate. Judge Moore had a lot of things going against him, even apart from the sexual misconduct accusations. Uh, This is a man who was removed as the chief judge of the Alabama Supreme Court twice, because he refused to follow the United States Constitution. So, big issues there. Um, What we can read into the Alabama results, though, and this is really what's important, um, the demographics and the way the votes split, really interesting. Overwhelming number of white women voted for Judge Moore, and an enormous turnout, a record high turnout of African-American voters and African-American women in particular, who all voted, I think over 90% voted for Doug Jones. And those are the votes that made the difference. Those are votes that did not come out last year uh, to support Hillary Clinton. And that's... That's where we need to be watching. The Democratic Party, if they want to win in other states, needs to be making sure that they are serving the needs of the voters who came out to support the new Senator Jones uh, in other states. Sonny, the former judge had a loyal base of support. Yeah. But some Republican voters found his views on homosexuality, Muslims and civil rights distasteful. Mm. If you can't get a bigot voted into office in Alabama, where can you? Well, I mean, I don't think the Republican Party suddenly uh, realized that, uh, you know, we can't get a bigot or a sexual uh, harasser in uh, uh, voted in because they managed to get one um, elected president. So I think that in this case, uh, Alabama cannot be used as a uh, a harboring the harboringer of the future or or a signal towards the future because you got to remember even the Republican senator the long time um, Shelby I think his name was uh, Senator Shelby said that he would not endorse Roy Moore and you know mm-hmm. this this is someone who has been around in Alabama Alabama politics for quite a long time and you know there was a lot of people. 
who just said, you know, I can't bring myself to vote for this guy because of all these allegations. And there seems to be a lot of people who clearly did want to vote for this guy because of, um, despite the allegations. So I just think this is one of those like very narrow um, off elections that you can't really just make a judgment from and say, well, this means that everything has changed. I mean, one thing that's certain now that, you know, black voters in Alabama have a much stronger advocate on their side. And it shows that if you get out and vote, it, it can ha it can make a difference. And, uh, you know, they certainly made a big difference in Alabama. Whether Doug Jones carries on past uh, the midterm elections is still up for debate. You never know in two years' time or one and a half years' time, he might lose um, Alabama. So, in fact, not even one and a half. It's next year. Um, so I just think that it's very difficult to just... Uh, look at this election, one-off election, and and make any long-term judgments from that. However, if you take a look at the uh, the governor's race in New Jersey, the governor's race in Virginia, where Democrats both won, uh, replacing yeah. Republicans, those races plus this together uh, would be trouble for people like Ted Cruz, the senator from uh, Texas, who is staunch conservative. Um, you know, he's he's. You know, kind of in the Roy Moore category almost. Um, you know, he didn't win yeah. by that much last time he was reelected. And if the Democrats put up a good candidate against him, uh, I'd, I'd be worried if I was a, a Texas senator right now. Isn't this really a case that the person who's got the bloodiest nose in all of this is actually Steve Bannon? Because Roy Moore was supposed to be Bannon's first big victory, you know, a wrecking ball to the Republican establishment. And really, he was showing the strength of the evangelical and um, kind of populist wing of the of the I was going to say the Conservative Party of the Republican Party. Isn't this one in the eye for Steve Bannon and his agenda, Sonny? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think uh, many people would deny that. There were loads of people making jokes about Steve Bannon, you know, after the election um, happened, and said that. Um, you know, this is a, a big problem for him and not just for Steve Bannon, but even for Trump, who, you know, basically went all in for Roy Moore near the end uh, after sitting on the sidelines for a little while. So, I, I mean, you know, but Steve Bannon is not going to go away and he's not going to be stopped listened to by certain people in the Republican Party because they like his politics, even if they don't like him. And so I, I suspect that Steve Bannon will come up in a different in a different scenario he will uh, you know end up um, sort of endorsing some other candidates to carry on his war against uh, centrist Republicans and then he'll maybe win something later on down the line um, in which case we're back to square one so I, I don't really think I mean this is definitely uh, poking the eye for Steve Bannon but don't count him out yet I think he, he's going to be back Doug 41% of Alabama voters said they strongly disapproved of the president and only 32% actually approved. Is it a case that the Republicans can pass their somewhat dodgy um, corporatist tax bill, get through uh, until Christmas, then in the new year, senators and congressmen can basically look back at their constituencies, moderate their policies, and hold out 
for the best result that the Republican Party can get in 2018 and basically ignore and say this was a one-off tsunami, this attack of populism from the right. Basically, Bannonism potentially is seen to be a busted flush. Trump is somewhat of an ineffectual legislative um, office holder. If they hold their nerve and tack a little bit more to the centre, senators and some congressmen might actually hold their seats. Isn't that the best track forward for the Republican Party? That would make some sense, but I don't think we completely know what the Steve Bannon wildcard is going to amount to. Uh, this is a man who has not been uh, particularly uh, clear to outsiders with his strategy, and he's certainly not followed any of the traditional ways. But, Doug, hasn't he been incredibly clear? He basically says on primaries you get the most right-leaning populist candidate, somebody who will fire up the base. The problem is that when it then comes to uh, general elections or special elections, that that base just isn't quite big enough to elect that firebrand populist, with the exception of, of Trump, and Trump won on uh, well, a minority of Certainly votes. Trump won because Bannon was able to position Trump as the flamethrower, uh, which he was anyway, but but Bannon really capitalized on that. And um, yes, he thought that would work in Alabama, and it didn't. However, it was a very close election, and I think that Bannon is going to keep pushing, and it's really going to be a test uh, over... It's going to take time before the GOP repudiates him or endorses him. So I don't think you can count them out completely. I do think that the most optimistic uh, outcome or, or, or path of events would be, uh, you know, the GOP desperately wants this tax bill to be to become law. And uh, you know, there's so many things wrong with the process, but it looks like it's it may pass. If that passes, then a lot of the GOP elected officials can say they delivered on what they had promised. And after that, when they come back into session in January, maybe, maybe they will start doing their jobs and bringing the administration closer to the middle where they can actually get things done. That's my hope. And that's time for our takeaways of the last seven days. Let's start with you in, in a sunny Barcelona. I presume it's sunny. What is the weather like in Barcelona? Oh, sunny? weather's become cold over here. It's no longer that sunny, unfortunately, which is a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the weather is uh, at least about ten degrees colder than London. Uh, sorry, warmer than London, which is nice, but still not as warm as I'd like it to be. Whilst we all reflect on the fact that it's ten degrees warmer in Barcelona than it is in London, Sonny, why don't you tell us about your takeaways, your highlights, your memorable moments of the last seven days? Well, I mean, to be, I mean, you said not politics, which is difficult, you know, because uh, politics is life. Um, I mean, uh, this week, uh, we sp- there's a lot of stuff around Christmas, um, um, so uh, we, uh, I don't know, um, takeaways of the last week is that, you know, I, I think our, um, um, you know, we're going to spend all of Christmas holidays, I think, just looking at our phones, wondering if the 
with uh, some sort of crazy, uh, um, you know, crazy stuff that Trump has done has launched us into a nuclear war or something like that. You know, I think in earlier Christmases... That to me sounds suspiciously like <laughs> politics. politics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's difficult to, uh, difficult to say uh, what... Um, Something non Tell me, tell me about a nice preamble around Barcelona. Tell me of your favourite route around that fabled city, sir. Uh, well, <clears throat> my favourite place in, in Barcelona, to be honest, is uh, is the, the the area where I'm living in, which is like called Poblet No, and it's basically very close to the beach. It's very close to the big park in Barcelona. And so you just wander around um, in the cool breeze. It's not too crowded with tourists. Um, it's, and it's actually very close to the center of town. So I suggest if you are visiting um, Barcelona, come visit Poblenó because it's uh, much better in terms of um, being away from the crowds, but also being very, um, uh, you know, close to where all the action is. Doug, have you ever been to Barcelona? Oh, yes. Quite a few times. It's a great city, as long as you watch your wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sadly, there is a lot of that. <laughs> so, so, Doug, same question to you, sir. Uh, in the last seven days, um, what has been your standout thing? Well, outside of politics, the biggest thing on my mind is that we have to say goodbye this week to AOL Instant Message. Uh, <laughs> AOL Messenger was a part of our lives Absolutely. after my age. And December 15th, the last day, I remember my screen name. I can't remember the last time I actually used AOL Messenger, but it's the passing of an era and I just want to pause and reflect on that and appreciate technology of years past oh. my, my, my takeaway is uh, technology driven as well it's not particularly profound I have an iPhone like the majority of our listeners and um, it will come as no surprise to anybody but I listen to a lot of podcasts considering that's all I do <laughs> all day long is actually produce the things and I've been using the podcast uh, native app, the iTunes native app, and it's it's terrible. Oh, really? You press the button, you hit play, and the lag between you hitting play and the podcast starting can be anything from two seconds to two minutes. I kid you wow. not. Wow. The lag is absolutely terrible. And I repeat, this app is made by Apple. <laughs> And he's optimized for an Apple phone. It's absolutely dreadful. I went to a podcast meetup this week. And a uh, gentleman giving the presentation said, Apple's uh, native app is dreadful. A lot of people are moving to Overcast. I ran home as fast as my little legs would take me. I deleted it, downloaded Overcast. My life has been transformed. <laughs> when I hit play my podcast now starts so there you go folks <laughs> i am now the official endorser of the overcast podcast app on ios if you are using the native app the one that comes bundled with your phone delete it now and enjoy a world of uninterrupted smooth podcast listening uh, I, I use Stitcher actually because I'm on Android and so I usually use Stitcher uh -huh. for that there's a, an app called that which is 
think all right, but to be honest, I haven't found any great um, podcast apps on Android, which is a bit annoying. Uh, Overcast is also on Android. Oh, it is. Okay. Give it a go. Oh, it, you can you can create your podcast into channels. So all my politics ones run together. If that's what I want to do, mm. they auto play after each other. But it's seamless. And what you don't have to do, Sonny, oh. is remember when you go to the app what podcast you want to download onto it. You can export from any app you already have on your phone, and it will put all the podcasts into it. Wow. So it does all the hard work for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to settings and go to import. Nice. Blew nice. my mind. Blew my <laughs> mind. There you go, folks. Um, that has been yet another Useful. tumultuous, turbulent week in US and UK politics. And this has been somewhat of a, of a turbulent recording. We lost Doug halfway through. We got him back. You're hearing the sounds of... Um, can we actually say you're in Los Angeles, oh, Doug? Oh, Sure. Well, we, you can hear the you can hear the the sounds of urban Los Angeles be, behind Doug, and uh, the beautiful, uh, calm, sonorous sounds of a tranquil Barcelona whenever Sonny speaks. Um, <laughs> please, folks, go on to Apple iTunes and review us. Show us your support for our liberal, pinko, communist, left-leaning claptrap. We know we're fighting the good fight against intolerance and hate. So go on to iTunes and write us a review. You can follow us on social media where we are at Mid-Atlantic Show. I can be found where I'm at Royfield, which is spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Doug, how can people find you on the Twitters? I am SF Doug on Twitter. And how about you, Sonny? Uh, just Sonny, uh, like a sunny day, underscore Hundal, H-U-N-D-A-L. And, of course, you can follow the wonderful progress of Mid-Atlantic on Facebook by typing in Mid-Atlantic. I'm going to try and get another show out before Christmas, before I go off to Jamaica to spend time with my family. We'll see you all again soon. All right. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.